Welcome to Unity of Tucson. What does it mean? What does it mean? And I just want you to look into your heart for just a moment. What does it mean to you? And this is a rhetorical question. What does it mean to lift every voice and sing? What kind of world might we live in if we lifted every voice and sang? It's the kind of world I imagine I would like to live in. And the great experiment is that we're working towards that every single day, but have we reached that? Probably not. But we're working on it, aren't we? Yeah. There's a lyric that caught my attention when I was preparing this morning, and the lyric is this one. With a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to a place for which our parents sighed? With a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to a place for which our parents sighed? I think it caught me uh, because it made me, it, it connected me to an event in, in, in mind. And the event was something that happened on television. Now, I'm a child of a particular generation that had a lot of television going on, you know, uh, being a Gen X kid. We Gen Xers, we like to, people are going, you're Gen X? I'm like, yeah. Um, we like to, you know, point out that we were basically, you know, coming home from school by ourselves, and so the TV was our babysitter. So I watched a lot of television growing up. Um, now, this event that happened on television was prior to my appearance on this plane of action, but it is, a, it is an event that I have a great deal of awareness about. And it was something that happened in 1969. And there was a man who had been on television for about a year at that point on PBS. His name was Fred Rogers. And he had a show called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I loved that show growing up. Loved it. Now, this event that happened in 1969, um, at the beginning of the show, you know, do you remember? Did, I mean, some of you will remember, like, he, yeah. So he would, he would walk, he would show up, and, you know, he'd come in and he'd change out of his suit jacket and he'd put on his cardigan sweater and everything. Well, on this particular episode, he showed up that day carrying an inflatable kiddie pool. And he, and he said, oh, it's a hot day. So he put out the kiddie pool and he... You know, he starts filling it with water with the hose outside of his, outside of his house, his house on a soundstage. <laughs> and Officer Francois Clemens comes along, and uh, he was the friendly cop in the neighborhood, right? He also was black. And it was unusual at this time to have a black authority figure on television, let alone a recurring a recurring character, although he used his real name. It was a recurring character as this black cop. It was very unusual in the late 1960s, and I don't know if some of you will remember what was happening in the late 1960s. There was a lot. And so, 
Mr. Rogers said, oh, it's a hot day, you know, this May of 1969. Why don't you join me here and, you know, if you'd like to cool off your feet, and you can put your feet in the pool and, and cool off your feet. And so Officer Clemens said, yes, I would love to do that. So he sat down and he took his boots off, and Mr. Rogers took the hose and cooled off his feet. And they sat there and had some conversation for a while. This was a very radical thing to do in 1969. It was very radical. And there is some speculation. His, you know, Mr. Rogers' show had been on the air for about a year. There's some speculation that this uh, was in part a response to an event that happened in 1964. Some black teenagers, to protest segregation, jumped into a motel pool. And the owner of that motel poured acid in the pool. And they were the ones who were arrested because it was contrary to what the laws were at the time. That's not the part of the story I really want to focus on. I want to focus on Mr. Rogers' response, because there are many things that we can learn from this response that he had, and the fact that he had the willingness in a time where it was absolutely unacceptable to share a pool with a black man. There's still things that we can learn today from this. One of the things is that there is a great teaching method, and this was the whole crux of Mr. Rogers' approach, to model rather than preach. To actually model behavior rather than preach. It was a, he, he, he had decided that that was a greater teaching method that children could learn from. And what a magnificent thing. I learned, now I'll tell you, that is my generation. I learned so much from Mr. Rogers, not because he was preaching anything, but because he was being. He was being. He was being love. You know, the challenge that I find sometimes as a minister is that on Sundays, my job in many ways is to get up and preach, right? To tell, to teach, to, to give information, and then say, you know, you get to do with it as you would like. You get to move out into the world and, and do it. But it might be better, and I've even started thinking, can I put together my own television show where I could model behavior in the context of a television show that could help teach the world? I mean, he was a brilliant man. He was a brilliant man. So my question to you is, as I preach, as I offer whatever it is that I'm teaching that week, whatever message that I'm offering that week, what happens when you walk past those doors and go back out into the world? This is why the homework is so important to me. Because I want us all to get it into, our, into our minds and our hearts that this is a philosophy that is meant to be lived and practiced in the world, not just something that you, and it's, you know, it's, it, and if it's, if you're just coming here to feel good on a Sunday, that's okay too, but I'm going to encourage you to take whatever it is that motivates you when you leave here and put it into practice in the world, because that's how we create that world that is awakened to its magnificence. That is how we achieve that vision that we have here at Unity of Tucson. 
Now, the three tenets of that mission, which is how we have chosen to reach that vision, love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. Are you doing that as consistently as you possibly can when you leave this place? Because I'll keep reminding you. It's part of my job. I'm here to remind you of your magnificence. You are magnificent. And it's not because of anything that you do. It is the core nature of your being. And when we allow that core nature of being to inform the doing, that's how we create a new world. Now, there's another thing that was being taught in this experience that was shown on television, and it was the concept of love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, right? He had a neighborhood. Is there anyone in that neighborhood that he just did not absolutely love? You know what I loved, too, is that there was the neighborhood of make-believe, and there were some... There was some people that lived in the neighborhood of make-believe that were a bit of a challenge. Lady Elaine Fairchild, I'm looking at you. (laughs) But even in the challenge, there was still love. There was still love, and that was the message. So this scene with Officer Clemens and Mr. Rogers is one of love your neighbor, and it was in an environment where, at that time, There was not a lot of neighborly love being shown in this world. Love only. Love only. That part of our mission has direct ties to Scripture. When we talk about love only, we're talking about love thy neighbor. In Scripture, responding to the question, what is the most important commandment? Jesus offered in Mark 12, 30, and 31, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's something that is very important in that. Self-love is taken as a given. Love your neighbor as yourself. So it begs the question, to what degree are we rooted in self-love? Because that's the core of being able to love others. We have to love ourselves. And we get into trouble sometimes in this journey of loving ourselves by looking at the circumstances of our lives, seeing where we have messed it up, and convincing ourselves that those things, those mistakes, are the reasons why we shouldn't love ourselves. Well, you are not relegated to live your mistakes. If you take nothing else away from today, perhaps consider that you are not relegated to live your mistakes. Let it go. Let it go. Put it aside. Those things from the past do not have to be part of your present. So allow yourself to let it go and find the love within. When we do that, we can then step into truly loving our neighbor as ourself. Now, this, this, this idea 
This concept, it is not limited to Christian doctrine. It was part of the great commandments of, of the Jewish faith. It was, it's, it's also in the Hindu teachings. In the Hindu teachings, love of the other soul, the neighbor, is a fundamental requirement in Hindu teachings. And any injury inflicted upon another is an injury inflicted upon oneself. So imagine that. If I talk about the mistakes that you feel you have made in your life and you allow that to decrease the construct of love for yourself, that what ends up happening is you begin to let that be reflected in your interactions with others. That's not a very nice world to live in. So let us let it go. Let it go. That construct is also the root of Gandhi's approach of nonviolence in his protests and his ability to change an entire country. It's all born from that tenet of Hinduism. Love of the other soul is a fundamental requirement, and any injury inflicted upon another is an injury inflicted upon oneself. So this wraps up beautifully into the peacekeeper's mission as we have been celebrating these several weeks and we'll continue through uh, into April, the season for nonviolence. Nonviolence begins with loving yourself. That's where it begins. How far have we progressed? Seems on some days we have not progressed very far. And I see a world, you know, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to the world around us. I'm not oblivious to the fact that there is still war. I'm not oblivious to the fact that there is still uh, racism. I'm not oblivious to the fact that there is still sexism and misogyny and homophobia. I'm not oblivious to any of that. But I know what is mine to do. And that is, one, love myself. Two, love my neighbor. Love only. You know, I don't need to recount the ills of the world. I mean, you know, we're on the precipice, it seems, if you're watching the news, I know many of you don't, but we're on the precipice of a very large world event. That's all I'm going to say about it. I believe, I believe, because as my faith has taught me, one alone in consciousness with the infinite constitutes a complete majority. I believe that I have the capacity right within myself to counteract that event. By knowing who I am, I am love. How about you? Now, here's the thing. As I choose to know this, and I invite you to choose to know it for yourself, as we create a collective consciousness of love in this space, and if you're watching online, where you are, we create a magnificent expansion of love, and it will continue to counteract the ills of the world. That's the power that we have by living our lives based on love only. You know, I talked, I think I said it last week, I certainly have said it in class, um, and, and to anyone who ever asks me, because I've said, I'm a news junkie, I watch the news all the time, I'm like, how can you do that? It's all bad news. And I say, it's, my, it's how I develop my prayer list. <laughs> but part of that, it takes, it takes practice to be able to do that. It takes practice to be able to say, I can observe the world and not be sucked into 
the circumstances. I can observe what's happening and say, I know who I am in this, and I know how I choose to be in this. So the thing about prayer is that I can create my prayer list. Prayer means absolutely nothing if it does not impel action. If you're in the Wednesday night class, remember that, because this is going to come up in Wednesday night. Prayer is empty if it does not impel action. The world of Mr. Rogers was a neighborhood. It was a beautiful neighborhood rooted in love. And it was his ministry. You know, he was a presby- an ordained Presbyterian minister. And that was his ministry. And I don't know that he ever said the word God once in 33 years on television. That's a powerful minister, someone who is modeling his ministry. We have an opportunity, each and every one of us, to beautify our neighborhood. And when I talk about our neighborhood and modeling it through love only, what I am talking about is this universe. That's our neighborhood. We get to beautify our neighborhood through grace. Grace, the expression and experience of unconditional love. Unconditional means love your neighbor, even if they don't look like you, or think like you, or pray like you, or speak like you, or vote like you, or love like you. Love them. Love them. Because unconditional love, that grace, means that we love no matter what. No matter what. So the question becomes, can you do that? It's a rhetorical question. Can you do that? Do you have the capacity within to say, yes, that is mine to do, and this is how I choose to be? Love is the light we shine to beautify our neighborhood, this whole universe. So the call today is to be the model of that, not just the teller of that, not just the storyteller. Be the model of self-love, which gives way to neighborly love. Lift every voice and sing. Sing of love. Sing of light. Sing of life. Sing of magnificence. And let us beautify our neighborhood. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. Now, the homework is this. Three things, maybe, maybe five things. <laughs> the first thing is to actively smile more. Let's start there. Everybody's going, but we're wearing masks. <laughs> I get it. Smile behind the mask because you know what? People know. People know. On average, children smile 400 times a day, and adults smile 20 times a day, maybe. Smile more. And smile without reason. Just smile. 
though your heart is aching. <laughs> I have a very musical mind. I don't know if you know that. Smile more. <clears throat> the other thing is, so smile more. Also, when you are engaged with someone, converse beyond hello. We are so conditioned to be, hello, hello. Converse beyond hello. Ask questions. And in asking questions, listen to the answers. Listen to what people are saying. And the third thing is to give. To give. Find ways to give. Because that is actually, for me, the, a fundamental aspect of love. Giving of ourselves, giving of our time, our talent, our treasure. Give. For God so loved this world that he gave. Now, it says in the Bible, gave his only begotten son, but we are all the progeny of the Most High. And so it is up to us to give. To give. So that's it. Smile more, converse beyond hello, and to give, for that is love. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.